Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 82. Going on a Royal Caribbean cruise means you'll be taking it to some of the most beautiful and exciting ports of call all around the world, but sometimes it can be just as fun to stay on board your ship while everyone else leaves. Royal Caribbean ships offer so much to do on board, and staying on board while in port can be a good option to consider when making your ship plans. I'll discuss why you might want to stay behind on your next port of call and why so many other cruise veterans choose to do this as well. We've also got more of your listener emails to answer, so here we go. Staying on board your Royal Caribbean ship while you're in port may sound a little crazy to some of you because, after all, you're going on a Royal Caribbean cruise not only to experience the great things that these ships offer, but also to go visit places all around the world, Europe, the Caribbean, Alaska, Asia. I mean, there's just so many places Royal Caribbean goes. And for a lot of people, the destinations that you're visiting is just as important as the ship you're on. So why would you want to stay on board? It's a really good question, actually. And it's something a lot of people kind of, you know, ask when they first hear this idea. Certainly I did. I was like, why would you want to do that? That seems silly. Well, there's a couple of good reasons for this. And let's kind of explore this. Number one, one of the most compelling reasons to stay on board is if you've been to this port of call, a number of times. Great example is the port of Nassau in the Bahamas. Don't mean to dump on this port. It's a very nice port. There's a lot of things to do and, and a lot of people enjoy their time here. But it's a port that Royal Caribbean visits very often. And odds are, if you've been on a couple of cruises, Royal Caribbean or otherwise, you've probably been to Nassau. And if you've been to Nassau at least once or maybe even twice, you've probably kind of gotten the idea of, well, we've pretty much seen and done everything. And there's other ports that People have this opinion of as well. It's not just NASA. It can be any port, really. But the bottom line is if you've been to a port before many times or you've been there enough times that you've kind of gotten your fill of it and there's something that really excites you, staying on board is an option. You should not feel compelled that you have to get off the ship. I know it's certainly what everyone is doing, but we'll talk about why there's an advantage of, of staying on board a little bit later. But again, going on cruises where you've been to the port before or there's just nothing all that compelling about the port you're visiting is a good reason as well. And also sometimes if you're on a port intensive cruises, you know, where you've got maybe just one sea day or two sea days at the most, depending on how long your, your cruises having staying on board gives you, you know, another sea day essentially without the sea day. <laughs> and the other thing is, of course, and we mentioned this, you know, in the intro was that, I mean, these Royal Caribbean ships are built to entertain, right? I mean, they are not just floating hotels. They are, you know, entertainment centers. There's just so much to do on board. And they offer so much to do. And I think anybody who's been on a Royal Caribbean ship will tell you, you can't do it all in one cruise. That's why a lot of people do back-to-backs. That's why people go back on the same ship over and over and over again. There's so much to see and do. And port time can get in the way of it. Now, I wouldn't necessarily argue that you know going skipping the port is a better idea just to be able to go to Johnny Rockets one more time. <laughs> Although I'm not saying it's a wrong idea. I'm saying that it's just another idea in terms of you know a, a reason why you might want to stay on board. And the other really cool thing, and this is something you have to see for yourself to be able to experience and be able to understand what I'm talking about. When you're on board the ship while in a port, there is like no one else on board. There's the crew, obviously, but even some of them get off to go visit. So it's really like a ghost town. And it's really cool because it's what's cool about it is it feels like the ship is yours. You've got it to yourself. It's like somebody was like, you know, hey, Matt. Here's uh, you know, freedom of the seas. Enjoy it. <laughs> Turn the lights off when you're done. It's kind of a cool feeling, and there's something really interesting about feeling that way. You go up to the pool deck. There's nobody around. You go to the restaurants. There's nobody around. You go to the spa. Nobody's around. It's kind of cool. There's no lines. There's no crowds. It can be a really relaxing kind of experience, 
And I think that's a big thing to understand. And we're going to come back to this a little bit when we're talking about the differences on board when you're in port. But these are some of the compelling reasons why a lot of people choose to do this. I think the port that you're visiting is probably number one. Certainly, where I mean, if you're going to somewhere you've never been before and it's really cool or exciting, a lot of people are going to go off the ship no matter what. I don't blame you. I don't think that staying on board is necessarily the uh, choice for any particular port, no matter what. Everyone's different. Everyone's got different tastes. But for a lot of people, this is a good way to do it. Also, it's a good way to take it easy, right? So let's assume you're saying, all right, Matt, I agree. I'm going to stay on board on my next port that we visit, you know, Port X, whatever it is, and I want to stay on the ship Tell me what's going to be different and what should I look out for and those kinds of things. Well, there's going to be some noticeable differences when you're on board and some things are good. Some things are bad. It's just kind of, you know, what's of interest to you. First of all, there's a lot less people. So there's a lot less activities going on board. If you look at your cruise compass for the hours that you're in port, it's going to be sparse. So if you're looking for, you know, the line dancing class and the belly flop competition, you're not going to find it. There's very few things that are being offered. There's still stuff being offered, don't get me wrong, but it's kind of sparse and lends itself to people who are definitely okay with entertaining themselves. The good news, though, is there's just a lot less people around, so you have access to things maybe you weren't able to do otherwise. Good example, the pool. I'll tell you, when you talk about going to the pool on a Royal Caribbean ship on a sea day, you're probably going to be telling me about how crowded it was, especially in the afternoon. It's hard to get a seat next to somewhere you want to be. You know, it can just be you're competing. You're competing for the bartenders. You're competing for the the space. You're competing for uh, a good space in the pool, a chair. I mean, all these things. These are all kind of things you have to compete with. When you stay on board, none of that. You have the literally. You're going to have pick of the litter in terms of where you want to go, what what spot in the pool you want to be in, the jacuzzi. If there happens to be some sort of, uh, you know, for, for the kids, like, you know, in the aqua park, if there's things to do uh, in the pool area, it's really, you really are going to have very, very little competition. So this gives you a lot of opportunity. And for people that are looking to maybe just sun themselves, maybe they're just interested, you know, the weather's nice. You just want to go somewhere. You want to sit out in the sun. But maybe going to a beach isn't what you're interested in, or it can be expensive to go to the beach, or whatever, you know, there's a long drive to the beach, whatever the reason, staying on board on the pool deck is certainly a very popular activity for people that stay on board. And I think it's probably the number one thing to do. There's no question about that. Another really popular activity is to go to the spa on port days. The reason is because the spa knows, look, they're a business, and they got to make money. And when they're in port, they're not making money because everyone's off the ship and they're somewhere else, but the spa is still open. So they're going to offer a lot of times some of the best deals at the spa on port days. You can actually inquire about it. You can actually inquire about it in advance. A lot of times they don't like to talk about it because they don't want you to think about, you know, necessarily getting a better deal. They want you to come in on sea day, make their the maximum money. You know, it's, it's a business after all. But the reality is you can ask them in advance, hey, when we're in Cozumel, what are the port specials looking like? And they're going to have these kinds of deals out there. And even if you just roll in that day, obviously they'll be able to give you whatever's available. But the good news is, A, there's a ton of availability. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I can only have this time or this time. There's usually, again, pick of the litter of times. And you get that great deal at the spot. So if you're looking to get a a massage and you want to save a little bit of money on it because you're thinking, oh, you know, that's a little high for me. Whatever it is, uh, massage, service, whatever. This port days are great to do this. And again, less people to, to compete against, so you're going to get a great time, you're not going to wait that long, and you're going to pay a little bit less than other days. So it can be a really cool thing. And the other thing, along these lines of this tip, by the way, even if you do go off to somewhere in port, the port day specials do apply as long as you're in port. So if you go, like in Nassau is a great example. Nassau, I like going there for you know maybe an hour or two to go grab something to eat, walk around, get a drink, and then come back to the ship. But if you come back to the ship, let's say four hours early, okay, the... Spa is still offering deals for those four hours to go. So 
even if you are, I'm just a general tip. Take advantage of it. Don't assume that, you know, just because you left the ship, you don't qualify for the deals. Actually, it's one of the best ways to do it, especially in a port where you know you're not going to be spending a whole lot of time on land. So we talked about that. Oh, how about eating? Yeah, it's a very important part of any Royal Caribbean cruise, right? And in terms of dining, you're going to have the Windjammer is going to be open. And it's going to be again, very uncrowded. You don't have to worry about lines at the various uh, custom cooking stations. Usually some restaurants, the other restaurants, like the, the main dining room won't be open, but sometimes you'll get lucky with some of the specialty restaurants may be affected. So you'll need to check in your cruise compass to see what's open and what's not open. But again, if they are open, you're going to have a whole lot of availability for you to be able to check out. The other thing you might want to also do is be able to just walk around. I got to tell you, I talked earlier about that feeling of having the ship to yourself. Walk around the Royal Promenade. Walk around the deck that goes around the ship, although that's usually fairly open anyway. Uh, walk around the pool deck. I mean, go to places where you always think to yourself, even like, ah, oh, that's going to be too busy over there. It's too crowded. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. There is no way I can just go walk around the pool deck and see what's going on. It's it's Honestly, it's the truth. You can, you can enjoy it. And it, it's not a bad idea. Now, for, for parents... The other thing is the Adventure Ocean is most often open during ports as, as well. In fact, when we actually did the opposite. We left my daughter you know, on the ship. So she stayed on board and we went over to the port. But even if you aren't, it's okay. Bring the kids over to Adventure Ocean. Let them play there. And you can, again, go back to the pool and relax. Maybe go back to your stateroom and enjoy that. I mean, it's really one of the great things about staying on board is you just have this opportunity to really relax, take it in. And I think it's, again, I said the word relax a couple times, but it is really one of the most relaxing things you can do is to be able to stay on board. So if you're getting to a point in your cruise where maybe it's day four and you're feeling a little run down, you know, you know how it goes before your cruise even started the night before you didn't sleep because you're too excited to sleep. And then you, you got up at like four o'clock in the morning because you were just too excited and you took the flight over to Florida and you drove to the port, and you got on board, and you're all excited. And then the, that that night, you know, you, you stayed up till one a.m. because you were so you, there's so much to do, and you you know you woke up early, and you know you, you're run down, right? I mean, this is what happens. It's just lack of sleep, lots of stuff to do. You're going to run out of energy eventually. Staying on board is not a bad idea to recharge your batteries, especially if you know, like, oh, the next day you're going to a particular port that is of real interest to you. Maybe this is a good way to kind of, again, just take it easy a little bit. So if you're looking and saying, what are the best things to do on board as well? Well, we talked about the pool. That's definitely a big one there. And I think for a lot of people, especially kids, this might be a great opportunity. I don't know about you, but, you know, when you go to the pool with kids, there's other kids running around. You know how it goes. Some of the kids kind of dominate all the little, the popular things. And my daughter is not exactly, you know, the 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 kind of kid who's just going to roll up there. Hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> you know, she gets a little shy. So going to the pool with the kids is a great opportunity because, again, they have the chance to enjoy all these amenities, especially like on the newer ships that have those aqua zones like the Freedom class and the Oasis class and the Quantum class. Boy, it's a great thing to do as well. So, you know, it's really just enjoying everything that the ship has to offer. I think that's really, really important. Now, the other thing is, and I need to mention this. You say, well, staying on board sounds like a great plan. I'm going to really count on this. There is one big exception, and that is the weather. Yes, if you're in port and it is raining or snowing, <laughs> it's bad weather outside. Unfortunately, a lot of other people are going to have the same exact idea, and they're going to stay on board. And that can totally mess with everything I'm just talking about over here. But it is important to understand that, generally speaking, it's it's not a bad idea. Even if it does rain, a lot of people still go off on their excursions, and they're, they're figuring, well, I'm here anyway. But I guess if your decision to stay on board is purely based on weather, like a lot of other people are going to have the same exact conclusion – Thus, you might not have this kind of experience I'm talking about. But, you know, this is a, a really fun thing to do. 
uh, one of the things I do actually do is when we're in a private island like uh, Labadee or Coco Cay, I actually go back to the ship for lunch. I don't really love barbecue. I mean, it's okay and everything, but I'd rather go back to the Windjamere and have a great meal. So what we do is we'll go back to the ship to, for, for just lunch, and what we find, actually, is that it's really, really, really empty because a lot of people are off the ship. So, again, you get to experience this in a little bit. So maybe you get to experience this for like like me for lunch. Maybe you come back early and you know a couple hours and you have just the afternoon on the ship. Regardless of how much time you spend on board during a port day, it can be a really cool experience. And it's something that I mentioned earlier. A lot of people do, a lot of veteran cruisers. You'll, If you read enough trip reports or you talk to enough veteran cruisers on board, you're going to find that they're going to have similar stories for you about why they stay on board. And I think it's it, it makes sense. You know, If you've been to the ports before or the port is of, of not that much interest to you, again, between that and what's available to you in terms of relaxation on board, it's really not a bad idea in terms of, again, Giving yourself a little more time on board, get to see everything, get to experience things, and you get to – I've said this word probably 50 times on this podcast, but it's the best way to describe it. It's all about relaxing. All right, time to answer some of your listener emails. And, of course, I want to start out with one of my favorite things to do, which is read your reviews on iTunes. And I mentioned this many times, but it's still true that one of the best ways to help the podcast – and. Unless you're willing to fund the podcast for the many millions of dollars you have in your house. And I'm totally open to that. <laughs> but if that's not in the cards for you, and I'm guessing it's not, I would recommend actually just leaving a great review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways you can help the show out because it's the way that iTunes helps other people find this podcast. Is If a lot of people leave good reviews, it will then recommend it to other people. Other people find it. We're all happy and great. So if you got a couple minutes, it only takes probably about two, three, four minutes the most to leave a nice little review on iTunes. And, and as a thank you for that, I read them on the air here because I think if you take the time to write it, I'll take the time to read it and say thank you personally. So we got actually two this week. First is from BM Swart or BMS Wart, whatever the case may be. And this person writes, this podcast has been so informative and helpful in planning my upcoming Royal Caribbean cruise. I love the special guests and all the insider info that Matt has access to. This is a great podcast for anyone thinking about or planning a cruise to listen to. There are great tips and tricks and pretty much anything you ever wanted to know about Royal Caribbean. Not to mention, it's an awesome way to get super excited about planning my next cruise. As a relative newbie in cruise planning, I've gotten so much valuable information about booking and planning my cruise that I don't feel so overwhelmed anymore. It's been a spectacular resource. Wow. Can you, like, write my resume for me? <laughs> I'm In all seriousness, thank you so much. That was wonderful. Really, really enjoyed that. And also, we have a review from one of our previous guests, Joe Tolley checking us out here and joe wrote matt is part of my weekly podcast listening rotation after streaming a couple of his casts last year i went back to the beginning and binge listened to them all i have seven cruises under my belt unfortunately none of them have been a royal caribbean matt's vast knowledge and addictive fandom of royal caribbean have shown me the ur of my ways and i'll be remedying my situation soon until then I'm sipping the Kool-Aid one Wednesday at a time. Man, that is good. I love that last line. Sipping the Kool-Aid one Wednesday at a time. Love it, Joe. Thank you so much. And speaking of Joe, I also want to mention Joe's got a great website, cruisehangout.com. So check that out as well. Thanks very much to both Joe and BM Swart. I appreciate that. Let's jump into our emails this week. We've got an email from James Alley. I've been an extreme fan of Royal Caribbean since I discovered they existed in 2006. From that time on, I have always had a photo of one of their ships as my wallpaper on my PC and every other device I've used. Dude, that's totally me as well. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that's not just me. I always have cruise photos 
only. It's like, okay, if I have family, if my family happens to be in them, that's great. But otherwise, it's got to be a cruise photo on my wallpaper. Love that. Anyway, uh, James continues. I have an extensive PC image library of every one of their ships in which I have to cycle through to each image every day. When they announced Project Genesis, I checked blogs, news pages, and their sites for any updates on what would become the Oasis of the Seas. When she launched, I thought no other ship could come close to her. I was amazed at some of the stuff they put into that ship. Let's just say I irritated my family with it. <laughs> I guess my nerding out about Royal Caribbean has made me a super fan, but I'm not a fanboy. I will criticize anything I feel is needed, especially things that I like. That brings me to what the company is doing now. It seems like they've been going through an identity crisis over the past couple of years. They've been slicing and dicing their ships since Oasis was launched. I understand that ships need a little TLC and maybe some new TVs, but when it comes to the layout signature things like the Viking Crown Lounge being removed on non-Quantum class ships, that was my far, by far the most favorite feature of the ships. Yes, Dynamic Dining, North Star, and 270 are really cool ideas, but I don't know if they're worth an almost complete rebranding. I still like Royal Caribbean very much, but I don't know if I can give them my brand loyalty right now. I love your site. I always come here first for Royal Caribbean News. Keep up the good work. Great email, James. I think you hit upon something that a lot of people are talking about, and it's a really good topic, honestly, because Royal Caribbean is definitely changing. I'm not even sure changing is the right word. They're definitely looking at their possibilities. And I think Royal Caribbean, from a business standpoint, sees, like many other cruise lines, I think as well, that the money in cruising right now is with new cruisers. Now, they're not going to abandon their old crews. Don't don't get me wrong. You, James, you and I, they're still on our business, don't, but they're looking for ways to grow their business. Okay, and That's not any business, right? It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Odds are, if you own your company, you want to increase other customers. And for Royal Caribbean, one of the best ways they can grow their business and get new customers is the new to cruising people. It's, it's the millennials, people that have never cruised before because it's just the largest swath that's available. If, 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 if 90% of the people out there cruised, they'd be going with a different strategy, right? But that's not the case at all. In fact, uh, I think the amount of people that have cruised, I don't have percentages off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a smaller minority than people who have not cruised, so that's where they're going with this. Now, I do think that this has obviously irked some people in the wrong way. And I know that one of the things you were talking about, a lot of the revitalizations lately have been taking public spaces and converting them over to restaurants or you know other kinds of venues. And here's the thing about it where it, this is a double-edged sword. I understand Royal Caribbean side of things, okay? Uh, and I'll use the nightclub as the example here. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just telling you kind of the rationale behind it, and you can decide on yourself whether you like it or not. The nightclubs on all the Voyager-class ships have, have almost all been replaced by restaurants and or staterooms, okay? And you might say, well, I love the nightclub. Well, they still have dancing. They still have a nightclub venue. They'll put it somewhere else. Part of the big reason why they do this was, well, yeah, they're going to make a little more money on the staterooms. There's like, you know, maybe a dozen or so staterooms they get out of it, and the restaurant, that'll generate probably more money than the staterooms ever will. The thing is, is the reason, the other reason they're doing this is those venues, both the staterooms and the restaurants, will generate revenue, but they'll also be used much more often. The, the nightclub, other than a couple hours in the evening, was never used. It was always empty. It was great for photos if you want to go in there in the daytime, but, you know, you ever walked in there at like, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon or, or in the morning or even 5 o'clock in the afternoon, 7 o'clock? I mean, it's a ghost town, right? So it's wasted space. And I think Royal Caribbean realized that, and it's one thing to have, you know, wasted space in one person's opinion, but, you know, this is categorically the, the case on, on all ships. And they kind of see this as, as something, where, well, we take this away, we're going to give you back a restaurant that's going to be open a little bit more, we're going to offer more people the opportunity to cruise, and it's kind of, you know, we're, and we're still offering you the dancing stuff. They're, you know, they, they a lot of the places the dancing's gone up to the Viking Crown Lounge, it's gone to 
uh, maybe the pool area, but there's still the option. So in Royal Caribbean's eyes, they're, they're giving you the same experience, but they're giving an opportunity to oh, I gotta have different experiences. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, I love having new restaurants. I mean, you go back, look back at cruising, you know, on chips, like as an example, a ship that hasn't gotten that many restaurants, uh, say Liberty of the Seas, Freedom of the Seas just got an extra restaurant. I would have used that as an example, but Liberty, Independence of the Seas, they only have, you know, uh, you have the main dining room, you've got Chops, and then you've got, I think, Portofino on those ships. So that's it. Uh, compared to like, you know, Radiance of the Seas, which has like a, you know, a half a dozen restaurants. People like that kind of stuff. People like choice. And that's what they're really trying to offer. And again, it's about maximizing that. So, yes, James, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And there are some things that Royal Caribbean does. I'm like, well, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure I understand or I agree with why they're going that direction. But I think it's important as us, as our fans, to express our opinion. You know, you can send them emails anytime. When you're on board, let the people know. When you get that survey at the end of the cruise, it's online actually now these days. Go fill it out. Let them know. I think Royal Caribbean is actually very, very good at listening to feedback. If they get enough feedback, they respond. Case in point is this whole dynamic dining thing. You probably have been following it on Royal Caribbean blog. There was that whole story. They announced dynamic dining. We talked about this many, many times, of course. And that kind of got a lot of people irked. It was like, well, I like traditional dining. So after many, many complaints, Royal Caribbean responded and said, okay, we're going we're to keep Dynamic Dining, but we're also going to give you a Dynamic Dining Classic, and Classic is going to be that rotational dining. It's going to be debuting on Anthem of the Seas. Frankly, I think it's going to come to other ships, but we'll wait and see how that works out. But they're going, you know, this is an option for people who don't want to do Dynamic Dining. They want to have a more traditional experience. So they, they do listen. I, I know that sometimes it can get frustrating, but they do listen, and I, I recommend the best thing you can do is to send them a message, let them know your thoughts. I mean, be, be constructive. Don't just, you know, curse them out. That's not going to help anybody. But say, you know, like, I'm a fan. I've enjoyed this kind of stuff. I really enjoy this kind of thing. I think a lot of other people do as well. And I'm upset that, you know, you, you took out the nightclub. And a lot of people did like the nightclub. And, you know, I, I think, you know, d- dancing in, you know, venue X is not quite the same experience. So please, you know, keep those things in mind. These are kind of the things that I think are constructive and helpful. And I'll tell you, Royal Caribbean does listen. But James, I think, and I wanted to feature this email from James because I think it's a good topic. It's something a lot of people are talking about. And I didn't want to just be like, okay, James, this is the email. I want to make sure we gave it the right time because my promise to you from the start of this podcast and frankly, from the start of Royal Caribbean blog is, is to be an advocate for you. I'm not, you know, I'm not paid by Royal Caribbean. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing this all on my own. So I, I obviously like, I think it's just as important to highlight the good stuff they do as well as the bad stuff. And certainly if we're not happy as fans, it's important to bring that up. Absolutely. And this is, I, I look, I look at this as your venue, your forum for expressing your opinion. So James, thank you very much for the email. Really appreciate it. Next, we have an email from Paul Westbrook of East Brunswick, New Jersey. And Paul writes, Matt, thanks for everything with the show. Quick question, and maybe not. I'm so confused with all the dining changes. Maybe you could provide a quick rundown. I'm used to, in my big two cruises to date, the formal dining room experience that was on Enchantment of the Seas and Freedom of the Seas. How will things change now? So Paul's, I think, referring to the whole dynamic dining thing I just talked about here. But there's a lot of different things that are going on. So let's run through it, and maybe we'll have to do this as a show topic in terms of kind of breaking it all down and giving you all the options. But you've got your traditional dining, you've got your main dining room. Most basic thing, Paul, you understand. I think everybody's been on a Royal Caribbean cruise, unless Quantum has been your only cruise, understands this. Okay. it's you know, you're, you're, There's two set times, early and late. You arrive at a table. You're, odds are you're probably seated with some other people you don't know, and they bring you dinner every night. This is the same thing. Okay, cool. You've got my time dining on a lot of these ships. Same concept, except instead of having just two set times, early and late, you get to pick your time. But the same experience is, is brought to you. You go there. 
you are seated at a table, odds are with other people you don't know, and you have your dinner. The, there is one minor difference, which of course is in traditional dining. You will have the same wait staff every night. At my time, that may not be the case. Okay, that makes sense. Now enters dynamic dining. So dynamic dining, as we understand it on Anthem of the Seas. Now, this is I'm going to explain the Anthem of the Seas example because I think it's going to be the example later on. I, that's not official, so please don't take it that way. Right now, there's only dynamic dining, only on, like say, Quantum of the Seas. And as far as we know... The only dining coming to Oasis and Allure of the Seas is dynamic as well. But again, I think deep down it's going to be what we see on Anthem. But we'll see. Anyway, on Anthem of the Seas, you've got dynamic dining. Dynamic dining is there are there is no main dining room. There's just restaurants. A combination of specialty restaurants and complimentary restaurants. So complimentary restaurants are they're they're both the same concept. They're they're small little smaller venues, much smaller than the traditional dining room. But you'd go in there. You make a reservation just like you do when you go to a restaurant at home and you're seated at a table. You can't be seated by yourself. You can be seated with other people. That can kind of depend on the situation, but it's 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 a more intimate experience. You do not have the same wait staff every night. It's kind of just like going to a restaurant at you know, in your local town. You can't request them, certainly, and that's the same true for, for my time dining. But if you just say, hey, my name is Paul and I'm here to eat, uh, you, you know, you're they're going to seat you wherever is first available. You can make reservations in advance, or you can show up just and, and wait. It's up to you. I think reservations in advance is the best way to do it. The new option they're introducing on Anthem of the Seas is, is Dynamic Dining Classic. So instead, what you're going to have is you're going to have a rotational dining. They don't want to use that word because a certain other cruise line uses that word. But anyway, you go to a restaurant, you're going to have a rotating. So day one, you might be assigned to American Icon Grill, let's say, and you're going to eat there. And you're going to have, you, you may be seen with other people, odds are yes. And you're going to have a wait staff, same wait staff. Night two, maybe you're going to go to Chic. Night two, you're going to have the same people you're eating with, the same wait staff. They're going to follow you over there, but you're going to be in a different restaurant and obviously a different table because they have different layouts. Now, the option, of course, in, in both Dynamic Dining Classic and Dynamic Dining Regular, <laughs> for whatever you want to call it, is you get to augment with specialty dining. And this you can do, obviously, in other traditional dining sense as well but here i think it's more implied or or i think more people will probably do it because you've only got say well actually now they just added another one so you've got you know five or so depending if you're in a suite you might have an extra one complimentary restaurants a lot of people you know we will obviously go to some specialty dining you know one two three four as many nights as you want and those will cost extra that's basically the quick rundown of it and Paul, if it, you know, maybe we'll, we might have to do an episode to kind of explain everything and kind of going through it all. But that's basically how it kind of works now. And this whole dynamic dining and dynamic dining classic is only relegated right now to the quantum class. And eventually it will make its way to Oasis and Allure of the Seas. But those both those ships, Oasis and Allure, have been delayed indefinitely until further notice, whatever you want to call it. So don't worry about it necessarily in the short term. But that's at least the kind of where it is right now. But good email, Paul. I think it is important to talk about. It. And the more I say about it, the more I think about it, I think we should do an episode about that. So thank you very much, Paul. Let's go to our next email. And it is from Christopher Percy in reference to episode 79, our Freedom of the Seas dry dock review and recap. Hello, Matt. It was great to hear about the changes on Freedom of the Seas from Becky. Even though this was not a complete refurbishment, the addition of restaurants, bars, and some interesting cabin locations, like on Deck 12, are quite positive. Glad you're feeling much better, too. Thank you, Chris, for always a pleasure to hear from you, and I mean that every time I say it. Next, we have an email from John Huitima. I'm probably mispronouncing it, so I apologize. John writes, been catching up on your podcast lately and have some questions before my family and I embark on Oasis of the Seas. The cruise leaves on 
soon. <laughs> Sorry, we missed it. So we we're wondering if Royal Caribbean did anything for Valentine's Day. Now you know when he went. February 14th. I don't have to hide it anymore. All right. Decorations, food, etc. Also, do you know what the current dining situation is like on Oasis? Everywhere you check is something different. You can never find a good answer. Also, any tips you have on sailing an Oasis? Thanks in advance. Keep up the great work on the amazing podcast. Lots of questions. And, of course, there's a question about dining. It's always about dining, right? All right. Let's talk about the first thing, Valentine's Day. And this this answer is going to hold true for a lot of other holidays. Yes, Royal Caribbean does some really cool things for Valentine's Day and other holidays in general. It will vary from ship to ship year to year so I can't give you I can't I don't want to say anything that's going to promise you anything certainly I think John you already know what they did because you're probably back by now but the the reality of it is Royal Caribbean likes to celebrate these holidays it's you know it's fun sometimes some holidays celebrate a lot more than others so New Year's Eve is probably the biggest holiday they'll celebrate followed by probably Christmas they really go out for it right other holidays like July 4th if you're on an American cruise you know cruise comes out of North America I should say uh, Valentine's Day they'll have little things here and there I know that for Valentine's Day this year they actually did a, an option for a, a reduced price for a vow renewal if you're on board on a ship that was sailing February 14th you had the option of doing a vow renewal it was like 200 250 dollars and it was a whole little package it was kind of a cool thing honestly I think my wife probably would have would have suggested we do it when if we were on that kind of a ship during Valentine's Day which we were last year so I dodged that bullet right there and sorry honey and you know there's little things that are, that are available to you. Maybe there's some cupcake decorating, special things. I mean, they're going to go crazy, okay? I mean, they, they have some decorations here and there. But they like to celebrate little you know holidays as best they can, especially if it just makes some sense. In terms of the current dining situation in Oasis, so here's what they did. Uh, a couple months ago, Oasis of the Seas went, underwent a refurbishment, and they split up the main dining room to get ready for dynamic dining. But then dynamic dining got, got uh, not canceled, but postponed. And so they're kind of in limbo right now. So it's still traditional dining, but eventually, eventually, it will theoretically be moving over to dynamic dining. So right now, I think you already know this, you're kind of just in the traditional dining sense. So hopefully that answers your question. In terms of tips on selling an Oasis of the Seas, you know, I'll post a link in our show notes, John, to some articles, and hopefully it'll help with some other people as well, in terms of some uh, first-timers guide to Oasis and, and some tips there. But we've also done a number of episodes about Oasis of the Seas. First of all, episode way, way back in episode three, we talked about Oasis of the Seas. You want to check that one out. And we also had some Oasis of the Seas uh, previews from our listeners and reviews. So I think that's actually going to be helpful as well if you're on a similar cruise. So good luck to you, John. Hope you had a good time. <laughs> Let us know. Actually, you know what, John? Honestly, in all, in all honesty, send us an email. Let us know what they did for Valentine's Day exactly so we can share with everybody else and we can get the good information out there. Thank you very much. Next, we have an email from Jay White. My mother's legs are not what they once were. Is there a Royal Caribbean cruise for someone with limited mobility? I absolutely do think there is. Now, of course, how limited, that's a relative question and everyone's different, right? I mean, I don't know if your mother walks usually or she prefers to use a wheelchair or she's completely wheelchair bound. I'm not sure. But here's a couple of basic tips you want to keep in mind. Number one, you want cruises, I think, that go to more urban locations, especially countries that are... Uh, very akin to the United States in terms of in terms of mobility access to begin with. So, United States and Canada are two big countries that stand out there. And now you might say in Europe, it would be the case depending on where you go in Europe. You don't want to go to old cities that have old cobblestone roads, and you know it, it's it's kind of stuck in that kind of a sense. So keep that in mind because those you know there's not a whole lot of great mobility. One of the first things that came to mind, honestly, when you when I heard about this, Jay, was maybe a cruise to Canada. Because you're going to be stopping in ports in the United States where we have ADA laws that require these kinds of things. And Canada is also very good about this. Plus, it's a beautiful cruise anyway. It's something that I really want to talk about as well on a, on a future episode is taking a Canada cruise. It's not going to be warm, 
not cold either. It's not freezing, but you know, it's not, you're not going to be in shorts either, but it's a beautiful uh, cruise experience. And it might be just the kind of right thing for you and your mother. That's really what came to mind. A lot of the Caribbean cruises, I'm trying to think of like, you know, a lot of the ports aren't that bad. NASA, Cozumel, these are all in cities. They're usually flat. There's a lot of easy walking. I mean, the other thing is, of course, we just talked about in this episode about staying on board. That can be something to do as well. I think the answer really depends on how limited your mother is in terms of her mobility. You know, if she just like she can't walk long distances, you know, just keep that in mind. Excursions are really what you're looking at because on board, you're totally fine. There's not a problem. If you ever just stay on board your ship, you can go anywhere in the world. But odds are, I'm assuming your mom wants to go visit these great places out there out there. But I wouldn't recommend ruins. So, you know, Tulum in, in Cozumel or some of the older cities in Europe might not be a great idea. But as long and the beach can be somewhat you know, depends, obviously, again, on your mother. But if you're going to places that are kind of, you know, just cities flat that allow easy access to, say, wheelchairs, it might not be a bad idea. And that's why I just like the Canada Cruise one. Alaska, also, same thing, because Alaska, you're still in the United States. So these are two great places where, you know, the laws are going to be on your side here in terms of making sure you have equal access. And that might be the best way to go about it. And if any of our listeners have any suggestions as well, I'd love to hear it. Uh, you can email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And we're going to round things out with an email from Jared Marduz of Massachusetts. Hi, Matt. I am not new to cruising, but am new to your podcast. Thanks for all the great information. We're cruising on Freedom of the Seas, Western Caribbean in April. So the recent episode about Port Canaveral and the upgrades to Freedom were very helpful. On your last episode, there were questions about onboard connectivity, and my question relates to that. Better onboard internet service seems to be a new focus by Royal Caribbean, and with 11 OS now installed on all the ships, do you know if there is or will be any ability to communicate with others on board via text or email without buying an internet package? If not, is there some kind of limited communication package? I look forward to your answer and to new episodes of the podcast. P.S. Royal Caribbean needs some Caribbean cruises out of Boston. <laughs> Great email, Jerry, and I would agree. I would love. I want more cruises out of the United out of the Northeast United States, because right now to get down to the Caribbean, you have to go out of essentially New York on quantum or whatever ship happens to be there currently. And Baltimore, which is enchantment of these, but it's some in Massachusetts, you know, that's a, it's a long drive, right? And the cruises that do go out of Boston are in the fall over to Canada. So you can do that a couple of times. You want to go out to the Caribbean. You want to get warm, especially if now with how much snow you're getting up there, man, you must be dying for it. All right. On to your questions. Let's go. I agree with you though. More Boston Caribbean cruises, darn it. So, in terms of freedom of the seas and connectivity without buying a package, the answer is not for your April cruise. The grand plan for Royal Caribbean, I'm sure. I'm not privy to them, but I'm going out on a limb, and I think I'm pretty... I would bet money on this plan. Is They obviously want to roll out the high-speed internet they currently have on the Quantum class and Oasis and Allure of the Seas to the other ships in the fleet. And that's probably not a stretch of the imagination. That's more of an issue that they have to get the technology in terms of the satellite internet. Because what the, the 11 OS, which uh, Jared was talking about, it's actually a blog post. I'll post in our show notes on royalcaribbeanblog.com. You can go read all about it. It's basically a software upgrade across their ships that's going to enable them to be offering a lot more. Because the other thing they're looking to do in terms of increasing the speeds is also take advantage of the Royal IQ app, which is a smartphone app for iPhone and Android devices that allows you to do a lot in addition to communicating. So one of the things that they've been offering on the ships that have 
Royal IQ enabled, which is, again, the Quantum Class and the Oasis and Allure of the Seas, is the ability to communicate with other people. So if we go back a little bit in time, you may remember these things called Royal Connect phones. These were iPhones. I think they were iPhone 3s that were out there. They're really old, and I, I can't imagine using them now. But these were iPhones that Royal Caribbean purchased. They would have given them out for renting. And you, I use them on one of my Oasis of the Seas cruises. You go there, and it's, it's, it's a dedicated phone that you can use to essentially just communicate, not much else. I mean, it, they had some – it was basically its own custom software, and you could call, and you could text, and you could use a locator, which really didn't work all that well. But theoretically, it was there. But the problem with it is it's expensive. People break phones constantly. And no one wants to pay the $600 to replace a phone. So it's it, it's not a great idea. So instead, they developed the app. Everyone has smartphones now. So you just download it on your phone and you're good to go. The thing is, is the Royal IQ app is not being rolled out to the rest of the fleet yet. It will be. So that's going to be something that you can consider in the future. Now, Jerry, you're saying to yourself, well, Matt, I'm going on Freedom in April. What can I do? I think you got a couple options to you. Number one is, and I think I talked about this in the other episode, Jared, is to use your iPhone for text messaging. And that is available uh, as an option. You can either use, I would would recommend using texting as in like MMS and not iMessage if you have an iPhone. Because as we mentioned earlier, iPhones and iMessage use data. Whereas if you're on your iPhone but use MMS, which you can force your phone to use, by the way, that basically if you're on an iPhone, this is going to get real technical, not technical, but really nerdy here, your text messages go from blue to green. That's the difference right there. But anyway, if you use that, then it's only going to cost you, you know, a couple cents for every text message instead of, you, you know, getting charged for data, which will drive it your bill up quite a bit. So that's, t- that's the simplest, albeit potentially, relatively speaking, the most expensive option that's out there. The other thing that's available to you is an app. I have never used it. A lot of people have talked about it. I can't guarantee it works, but people claim it does. And that is Ripple. And you can check it out as ripple-connect.com. I'll post a link in our show notes to it. Essentially, it's supposed to work. I've never used it. I can just tell you that a lot of people talk about it. And it's free. And whether or not it works, I don't know. I would probably download it just to try it out. What's the worst case scenario? You're back where you are right now, right? So that's the only one that I would otherwise uh, have heard of and might actually say that you could give it a try. But I've, I had heard that it worked. And I've heard that they've been disabled. Who knows? But those are probably your two best options. Otherwise, pad of paper, <laughs> get the whiteboard on your stateroom and go about it that way. It's probably the only thing. And I, and I think as we go forward, maybe even a year from now, it might be a different landscape. But I hope they get that, the Royal IQ stuff going very, very quickly because I think it's a it's something that in this day and age is absolutely necessary. Oh, and if you're thinking about walkie-talkies, I would not recommend them. There's too much metal and steel and and radar and stuff going on that you're going to struggle with the connection not to mention it's really annoying to everybody else around you so that's why i would not recommend that so good stuff and anyone has any other suggestions or if you've got other emails you want to you want to share your thoughts i want to hear about it gosh darn it i love reading emails honestly truly i consider all of you my friends and it this is my opportunity to talk to you even though I'm talking to myself. (laughs) I love it. I love the emails. I love the ideas and I love the topics. So you guys bring so much. So please email me whenever you get a chance. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. You can email me your thoughts, your questions, comments. There's so much going on in Royal Caribbean these days. I mean, I love questions. Don't get me wrong. I love sharing information. But if you've got your own thoughts, if if you want to talk about something that's happening in Royal Caribbean these days, I want to hear about it. This is your forum. Email me, Matt, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.